0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So let me start by addressing the elephant in the room. Or rather the hamster on my lip. Let's, let's go through them quickly. Magnum P.R. or Tom Selick. Jim Carrey in Sonic the Hedgehog, Borat, very nice. Dorian expects me to break out in Bohemian Rhapsody at any moment. I've been told it's thicker than you. It looks like it's wearing you, not you wearing it. One thing is for sure, the the moustache divides the room. Generally, it's women on one side and men on the other the women are polite, but, I mean, they just don't get it. But the guys, are most for the most part, they're like, yeah, man, come on. Except for the guys who can't grow. They're just jealous. I mentioned to a, to a friend a little while ago that it's probably going to come off pretty soon. He was like, no, don't. And at that moment, I realized that there's something bigger. This is about more than just me. I'm like the Che Guevara of married men. The revolutionaries, but the guys who cannot grow a moustache. I'm with you guys. I'm there with you. I'm taking the opportunity while I'm not so kissable uh, to just revel in it. Someone said to me uh, earlier this week at an encounter one. He said I really don't like moustaches or guys with snappy haircuts. Um, but uh, it was in the midst of him telling, giving me a compliment about a about a teaching. So. I'm glad he could still receive from me. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> this is where I want to jump in, because I'm willing to to bet that that each of us have been under the authority of someone who we didn't quite like. Maybe they were male, maybe they were female, maybe they had a moustache, maybe they didn't. Even the even the females. But for some reason, there's something about some leadership that we, that we just can't, we can't follow. We can't respect. We can't listen to them. Basically put, we battle to honor them as we should. You know, as a boy, um, as a young man, and even a bit today, I have and, and continue to struggle with a rebellious spirit. There's a rebellion in me something that want wants to push back at authority. And it's never been very very in-your-face or, or direct. Um, it's never got me into any trouble. But in my heart, I know that I've assigned my own opinions and my own freedom to a place higher than that of the authority above me. And thankfully, as I say, it's, it's never caused me or anyone ag- around me great harm. I've never sworn at my parents or gave a teacher a piece of my mind. I've never directly disobeyed an order from a boss or, or picked a fight with a, with a policeman or a traffic officer. But looking back, I know that deep inside me, I've been dishonorable to many people who have been in positions of authority above my life. And I felt the Lord ask, ask me, And ask us this question. What the heck is our problem? Why do we battle to honor authorities that have been placed above us? Why are we so damn dishonorable? Why do we treat our parents the way we do? Why do we rebel against our teachers? Why do we speak with such disdain for our government? Why do we have no honours, honor for our pastors and church leaders? The answer goes back a few years. Simply put, mankind has, has had a problem with authority since the garden. When Adam and Eve were presented with this temptation to... To eat the forbidden fruit, they essentially had a crisis of authority. God had spoken clearly, and he had asserted his rules in his kingdom. He had forbidden, forbidden them to eat from that particular tree, and he had expected them to obey. But when the serpent came along, he encouraged Adam and Eve to distrust God's authority. He questioned both God's truthfulness And also his care for Adam and Eve. And he held out the seductive and ultimately disastrous alternative. Complete autonomy. The right or condition of self-government. As we know, Adam and Eve failed to resist. And since that day, men and women have been perfecting the art of rebellion. And as a result... We have utter disregard for God and his authority all over the world and even in our own lives. The human race has become one where we go for our own rights. Our human right. That's what we fight for as individuals and as a people. We fight for the right to say what we want to say, do what we want to do. We fight for resources. We fight for equality. We even fight for the right to identify as whatever gender we feel comfortable with. And we're ready to cry foul the moment anybody infringes on those rights. We've developed a pretty twisted sense of entitlement. I believe this. We've forgotten the gospel. We've forgotten why there's a need for good news. Because there is bad news. I'm not talking about the stuff you scroll through on News 24. I'm talking about the bad news that you and I are sinners. We were born as sinners, born into this world, destined for one place. And that is hell. A place where there is a never-ending fire that consumes you. And 24-7 there are screams of agony. Not a nice place. That's the bad news. That's the bad news that we are born into. But the good news is that Jesus came. God sent his son to stand in the gap for us to take that place for us so that we don't have to be in that place. That we can be saved and set free and spend eternity in paradise alongside Jesus and the angels all praising the Father. I'm sure there's very few of us who can identify with the the flat-out disobedience towards God that Adam and Eve had. But we're far more subtle and more socially acceptable. We dishonor God by dishonoring the people that he puts in authority above us. I want to pause here and just make sure that, that we understand where we are in this in the series. So I want us to, to go to a verse that Andre has been using, key verse for us in the series just over the past few weeks. It's Matthew 10, verses 41 to, to 42. And it says, Whoever receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, truly I tell you, he will never lose his reward. Now this verse says, says a lot about a lot, but I just want to focus on, on establishing three areas here. It speaks about a prophet. That is those above us, the the mouthpiece of the Lord, authority above us, the righteous man next to us, beside us, okay, that's you and I, and the little ones, people beneath us. These are the categories of people we should honor, those above us, those beside us, those beneath us. This morning I want to focus on, on, on looking up, we're honoring up this morning. So scripture points to, to four categories of leadership or authority that God has placed over our lives. It's domestic leaders, social leaders, civil leaders, and church leaders. So I want to touch on, on each of them this morning. Um, and I'm going to slow down a bit when I, when I get down to the bottom um, because I want to spend a bit of time right there um, on church leaders this morning. Okay, so let's start. Let's start number one, domestic leaders. Okay, those are parents to children, husbands to wives. Ephesians 6 verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So Noah comes off the boat with three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. I had to audio Bible that one. It's not a hard P. It is Japheth. Japheth. Okay. Noah, Noah had started farming post-flood. Um, and it sounds like it was, uh, in grapes because, uh, one day, one night, he got drunk on, on the fruit of his, uh, of his toil. And he went into his tent and he whipped off his kit and he passed out drunk and naked. Ham comes in, sees all of this, and runs out to his brothers, saying, Come on, you have to see this. Dad's passed out, drunk as a skunk, naked as the day he was born. And the two brothers come along, but what they do is they walk in backwards into the tent, and they cover their father with a garment, so as not to, to see him exposed. Noah wakes up in the morning, and he finds out about what Ham did. And the result is a curse. He says, you will be cursed, and your descendants will be servants to the servants of your brothers. And to the other two sons, he gives a blessing to them and their descendants. If you think dishonor has no consequences, think again. The last part of that scripture says that you may go well and enjoy a long life on earth. It's less of a pleasantry and more of a warning. There are serious consequences for those of us who choose dishonor over honor. Moving on. Number two, social leaders. Teachers, employers, bosses. 1 Timothy 6 verse 1 says, Let as many bond servants as are under the yoke, Count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. Notice that this this category of leadership always happens alongside friends. With teachers, we're in the classroom, alongside your chums, you're under the leadership of a teacher. If you're part of a sports team, you're with your teammates under the leadership of a coach. And in the workplace, you're with your colleagues under the leadership of a manager or a boss. Look what Paul says. Worthy of all honor so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. This whole honor thing is about more than the one who we honor. And it's more about the reward we receive when we honor. It's also about the name and the teachings of God. In all of these scenarios, we are being watched. We are being watched by people all the time. How is this person, this Christian, handling this situation? How do they relate to their boss? Are they honorable or are they dishonorable? Our behavior is either going to honor God and his teachings or it's going to be blasphemous. Number three, civil leaders. Here we go. It's getting harder. Presidents, cabinet ministers, mayors, municipal officials, and even as far as policemen and traffic officers. Romans 13 verse 1 said, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Notice that this, this verse doesn't say, that all established authority is godly. It simply says that all authority has been established by God. It's us who make that bridge in our minds. If this person has been put in a position of power by God, surely they must be godly. No. Why? Because who are those people that are put in those places? They're people. They're human beings, just like you and me. How many of you are 100% godly 100% of the time? Sure, Dave, he nearly got me there. I thought you were going for it. <laughs> just adjusting his glasses. Smooth. I'm not godly 100% of the time. I don't want to throw out a percentage. For fear I'll get stoned. These people have fallen just like us. The leaders that are placed in in power above us are just human beings. Why do we find it so hard to, to, to grip the fact that they can also mess up? What is our response to government? Our president, former president. We berate them. We go to social media and we make fun of them and we mock them. We're the meme generation. But the Bible is full of authorities that behave in an ungodly manner. And we have a chance to see what a godly response is. So in the book of Daniel, we read of King Nebuchadnezzar, who was such a wicked man, he had a statue made of himself. Massive thing. And every time the music played, he decreed that everyone should bow down to him. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refuse. But listen to how they respond. Your Majesty We will not obey your command to sin. First, they communicate honor, but not obedience to the call to sin. We see a similar response from David to King Saul. Saul was a shocker. He would pick and choose what commands he wanted to to listen to. He refused godly counsel, wouldn't listen to to their wisdom, never took responsibility for his actions, and he constantly prioritized his own status above the work of God. But David in response to all of this and way more still honored we read when when the young foreigner comes to David to to tell him of Saul's demise and his hand in it David responds and he asks him why weren't you afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed David employs a principle that we don't see very often nowadays honor In the face of failure. I'm sure if you had asked David. Do you agree with everything that Saul did? Every decision he made? Every action he chose? It would have been a vehement no. No chance. But that's where we get it wrong. We expect to see honor. We expect to see honorable behavior. Before we in turn. Will honor a person. Mm -mm. Doesn't work that way. Honor is not about agreement in all aspects. Honor is about delegated authority, submission, and obedience. Not to man, but to God. Number four, church leaders. 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 12 to 13 says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you. And to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Okay. I've arrived kind of where I I want to slow down a bit and pull the handbrake up. uh, And just spend a bit of time on this section. Do we really understand the meaning of honor? To value something. Think of an item that's precious to you. Maybe it's your grandmother's diamond ring. Maybe it's a fine fine bone china tea set that's been passed down from generation to generation. Maybe it's a certificate of your doctorate or your master's. Maybe it's a comrade's medal. Maybe it's some trophy from your glory days when you were good at something. Where are those items right now? In a place of honor, no doubt. Shining proudly on your finger, framed and hung up in your office, sitting on the mantelpiece for all to see, in a display cabinet somewhere in a a special corner of your house. When we value or esteem something, We allow it a place of honor in our lives. What kind of place do Andre and Sonica hold in your life? The elders of this church, life group leaders. This verse speaks of giving recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you. Regard them very highly in love because of their work. I'm afraid to say I don't always see that. And often I see the opposite. You know, Andre gets up here and he shares sometimes about his challenges and about some of the things that he goes through. But let me tell you this. That man takes shots. And they're often from us. The very people that he gives his life to serve. We don't like the way this is being done. Don't like the way that's been done. I don't like what was said last Sunday or the way it was presented. I don't like that decision on this matter. Why are we spending money here when there's a definite need here? Why are we, why are we taking, why are we doing this series, this sermon series? Of what value is it? We, I need more. I need something else. Let's, let's go down this direction, not that direction. Sadly, I know of people who have left this church because they've disagreed with the way that Andre has managed the challenge, led through a season or decision that he's made. And I get it. Andre makes decisions that result in executions that I don't always agree with. But I have the privilege of sitting closer to Andre than possibly any other leader in this church, Bar Sonica and, and Vion. I receive from him every Sunday. I sit with him for three hours in a, in a staff meeting every Tuesday morning. We have regular elders meetings. I teach alongside him at encounters and other events. And in this place, I get to see who he is. I hear his heart. I hear his challenges. I hear the burdens he carries. I hear the time that he spends with you guys. I hear the time that he spends with Jesus. And through all of this, I get to know his motives. You all know that that Andre launched a YouTube channel some time ago, and all of a sudden his face was on everything. We were getting videos of him. There were images with him on And what's the perception? Huh, this guy. So self-important. He knows a couple of things. Now we must all listen to him. He just wants to make his, his name famous. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark 16 verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I'm not a face all over everything kind of guy. It ruffles my feathers too. But ministry has moved into a different arena. Soon to go into the metaverse, I might add. But the internet has presented itself an opportunity that filling this venue, every seat, increasing to five services a Sunday, would never, the audience, we could just, we could just never hit the audience that we could online. This man just wants to preach the gospel. But people leave. Andre spent tons of time and money investing in video equipment and lighting and learning video editing techniques and good setup. As a result, he led us through one of the toughest periods for church leaders ever, the COVID season. While some churches shut down completely, he was working harder than ever. And as a result, we were fed through that season. Why did he do it? To make himself famous, of course. No. To lead a house of people he loves. To reach a world crying out for Jesus. And people left. Andre tackled the topic of COVID vaccinations, while others just shut up. Did I personally agree with every word he said and the way in which it was presented? Honestly, no but he went tough places and took a stand for the health and safety of this flock. And I respect and honor that. But people left. Andre relentlessly pursues the presence of God in this house. He yearns for the presence and signs and wonders to follow, not for the show, not to make a spectacle, For the salvation and the freedom and the healing of us. But occasionally someone falls over or a demon comes screaming out and people leave. And that is unbiblical. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5 says, Therefore judge nothing but the appointed time, before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time each will receive their praise from God. There's no problem with judging the fruit of a decision or the execution of a plan. But the moment we begin to judge the motives of the heart, we've moved into sin. That's not for us to judge. God will expose the heart. He calls us to honor. He calls us to honour our leaders. Here's the crux of my message this morning. If you get nothing else, just get this. The day that you stand in front of Jesus and he says to you, do you remember that one time when that decision was made, your pastor made a decision and you didn't like it and you thought there was a different way, you thought there was something better and that everyone should follow you and agree with you? You're like, oh, I remember that. And he says to you, well, that day you were right, but you got it completely wrong. Because God is not calling us to be right. He's calling us to honor our leaders. So if you think you can do it better, maybe you can. But if you're under submission to authority, your only goal is to honor that authority, not to be right. Jesus will not say one day. Why didn't you push more? You were right. Greater things could have happened if we had just gone your way. Uh uh-uh. uh. He's going to say, why did you not honor? Why did you not submit? Why did you not put aside everything that you thought was so much better and higher? Remember the story of Ham? Noah was the one who got drunk. Drunk and naked. It was him. Not Ham. But Ham ends up with a curse. And Noah is known as the patriarch of the faith. Our leaders will stumble and fall. We will stumble and fall. But we're called to honor. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch of your souls, as those who will give an account so that they can do this with joy and not with grief. I'm reading the wrong translation. I did that this morning. Sorry. Let's start again. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. As our leaders, Andre and Sonic will one day give an account of the way they have led this flock. Every decision every action, they will be accountable for the way they have run this house. We, on the other hand, will be accountable for how well or how poorly we honored them as they went about their business. I'm going to wrap up with with these four points about the way that we can honor our church leaders. So number one, we can support them. A couple of weeks back, when when I was sick, and we, we sent that John guy just to to stand in and, and give us a message, um, he spoke about a, a story where he visited a, a small church and uh, stayed with a pastoral couple, and realized very quickly that they they were struggling to make ends meet. They were driving an old beat-up car, staying in a duplex, and the wife was still working as an air hostess to just bring in a little bit of money. And he, he stands up in, 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 one of the meetings. He just feels like God's saying that he must rebuke the congregation for the way they are supporting, not supporting this pastor and his family. So he gets up and he, and he shares and he, and he takes an offering and there's just, there's a three time, three times the amount of offering comes in as, as their best Sunday. And I'm, in that week, I was, when I was watching that, that video, the Lord just He did something. I didn't know what he was doing, he was speaking about money, and I just started crying. And I couldn't understand why. I was like, What what are you what are you doing, Lord? What are you what are you doing in me here? And it came full circle when I got a call yesterday morning um, from a guy who's been in, in ministry since he was a boy, and our our paths crossed at a at a local church, and he's now an assistant pastor at another local church in town. And he just called me saying, JP, I need your help. He needed to get his son to an event at school in the afternoon, and he was sitting with not a drop of petrol in his tank and not a cent in his wallet to be able to buy anything. And I just, something just boiled inside me. And all I wanted to do was go to that local church and say, come on, guys, I wanted to give that sermon, that rebuke. Just to say, how are you treating this man of God? He's been a servant all his life. Do you not honor this man? I was just lucky enough to, to have some money and to, to give it to him. not really money I have, but I, I was able to sow in him and just and, and, and really trust God for this principle to, to just be embedded in my life. I'm going to honor him. He's a man of God. Lord, you will take care of me. And I'm going to take care of him, and I so respected him just for actually calling me and saying, "Man, I need your help." I would hate for us to fall into a place where we find ourselves to struggle, find ourselves struggling to honor our le- leadership financially. I pray that we will always give to this house with a grateful heart, not wondering, where is this money actually going? What are they doing with this? That's got nothing to do with you. Your role is to honor and to support your leaders. You're probably thinking, is Andre going to buy another camera with us? So what if he does? Your role is to support your leaders. Number two, love them. It is not an easy task to love you lot. Andrea and Sonica love us deeply and dearly, and you can see it. Before the service, in the few minutes they have, they're always around, greeting new people, reconnecting, having a quick catch-up. They don't have a lot of time for that, yet still they prioritize it. And once you get to know them, they're, they're constantly checking in with you. They're very practical in their love. They will sit with you. They will talk through something new. They will... They will get things going in order to help you. Their love is tangible in very many ways. You know, I chatted to a friend this week and, and he, him and his wife had sat with, with Andre and he said like, they just walked away and the two of them said to each other, what a gift we have in this man. He loved us so well. You know, Andre, Andre has been accused many times of not loving well. And we see him up here and he's going for something. He has the pit bull anointing, as we as we always joke about him. He, he's, just, he's after something. And without him, this church would never be where it is. The way he has pushed us and, and just driven us into a place to go after more of God. Again, not for himself, it's for us. And in that place, he gets accused of not being loving. Sit with him for a little while. Tell you what, Andre is one of the most pastoral people in this building. And That's not because Sonic has now left. He is an incredible pastor. He loves so well. A couple shared with me that they, they they just left. He was praying for them, and again, let's pray again. Let's pray again. He wanted breakthrough. He wanted something to happen. That's the way he shows his love for us. You know, their love is is so evident for us that it makes it easy to love them back, but that shouldn't be, that shouldn't even be the case. Our role is to honor and to love them. Number three, defend them. This is an important one and a dangerous one. One serious enough, close enough to the truth, accusation, or rumor can really damage the credibility and ministry of our leaders. Paul writes in Timothy, don't accept an accusation against an elder unless it is supported by two or three witnesses. Our pastors are easy targets for unrealistic expectations. There is no way that they can be perfect. They're going to disappoint us. But don't be someone who so much as murmurs a flaw or a shortcoming. Let's defend and honor our pastors with our mouths by speaking only what is true and good. Hell's Hitlers already has thousands of pastors on it. We don't, they don't need any help. Let's defend them against accusers, both human and demonic. And how do we do that? Point number four, we pray for them. We pray when it's going well. Pray when it's not going so well. We pray through season of lots. And we pray through seasons of little. When you agree, pray. When you disagree, pray. It's really difficult to speak negatively of someone when you're praying for them. What can you pray for? Pray for their passion for serving God and that will never, it will never dwindle. Pray for their marriage and their family. Pray for purity so they won't fall into temptation. Pray they'll hear the voice of God clearer and clearer each day. Pray for rest. Pray for protection. Pray for discernment. Pray for boldness. The list is almost endless. Can we do better at this thing called honor? I think we can. Let's start by addressing in our hearts the problem we have with authority. Let's humble our prideful selves. Begin to honor those above us in a godly way. Not all established authority is godly. But it is all established by God. And when we choose to honor, regardless of the fruit we see, we honor God directly and show the world a different way. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.